You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Nikki Stott. I'd like to pay my respect to country and to all the elders, past, present and emerging, who've been part of the struggle for so long for sovereignty and self-determination. A huge three-day climate strike action had been planned for this week to run from April 22nd to 24th and coincide with the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. However, due to the COVID-19 lockdown, a huge online convergence was organised instead in the form of a three-day live stream featuring more than 400 environmental activists and frontline protectors speaking on a huge diversity of topics related to climate justice. This huge event was organised by the Climate Strike Coalition and Stop the Money Pipeline Coalition. And on this week's show, we'll hear a recording I made from day two of the live stream with Tara Huska from Kuchiching First Nation and Ginu Collective on the long-running resistance campaign against Enbridge's Line 3 Tar Sands Pipeline and Angeline Cheek from Fort Peck Assiniboine and Sioux Tribes on the equally long-running Trans-Canada Keystone XL Pipeline resistance campaign. We'll also hear from Bill McKibben from 350.org interviewing Tara along with Chain River Sioux Tribe community organiser Joy Braun, who's also a Keystone XL Pipeline resistance fighter. Like so many extractive industries right now, tar sands and oil pipeline construction in North America have escalated production activities, whilst frontline resistance has been temporarily compromised since the world went into COVID-19 lockdown. Pipeline resistance fighters in North America continue to put their bodies on the line to defend their land and waters in ongoing direct action blockades against these disgusting mining companies, whilst maintaining safe physical distancing practices. Hello, my name is Angeline Cheek, Tate Skawashtewi. I'm an enrolled member of the Fort Peck Assiniboine Sioux Tribes. And right now, where I am is on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation. The project that's being built near the Fort Peck Reservation where I live is the Trans-Canada Energy Company, the Keystone XL Pipeline. And that's what we're fighting today. So the people that are being affected by TC Energy is all of the northeastern Montana people. What is at stake here is the water rural supply system. It's going to affect all of northeastern Montana. All of our lives are at stake because this is the only clean water that we have is the water supply system and that's what we have to rely on. Back in the 1960s, there was the Murphy oil spill People kept having problems with their skin and kept getting sick and they were wondering what it was and that's when they discovered that it was cancer. And that's that's the whole reason why the Fort Peck tribes built the rural water supply system and that's what we're trying to protect. And since the pandemic hit, we were up, we actually went up and we had an action at the United States-Canada border and there was border patrol, private, Trans-Canada had private security that surrounded us. But when we drove by the Trans-Canada workers, we got to get close to the pipeline. All the Trans-Canada employees didn't have no mask. They weren't practicing social distancing. And that's really gonna affect the indigenous communities because 
We only have three ventilators on the Fort Peck Reservation and that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid for our communities and that's what we're trying to protect. We're trying to protect the water for future generations. But this pandemic, when it hits, you know, oil is not essential. But when I do go into the stores, I notice everybody is buying bottled water. So what I thought to myself was, I bet all of these people, they're for oil, they're buying water, they're fighting over water. And when the fracking destroys the land, when the pipeline destroys the land, everybody is gonna be fighting over bottled water. So that's what we're trying to protect. And people are just getting a little taste of what the what, what us indigenous people had to go through. Here in northern Minnesota, we've been engaged in a years-long struggle against Enbridge's Line 3 tar sands pipeline, a project proposed from the Alberta tar sands to travel down through the headwaters of the Mississippi River to the shore of Lake Superior. It is a million barrel per day project of tar sands transportation. You know, you're talking about putting tar sands through this watershed, this beautiful, powerful watershed that feeds so many millions of beings. The Anishinaabe people of this territory have been resisting this project for a number of years in the regulatory process and in the court process, but we are in the final permitting stages of the Line 3 pipeline. For Line 3, we are not only looking at the destruction of territory and the irrevocable harm of bringing such a large infrastructure project into our communities, whether it's violence against indigenous women, trafficking, or the actual bulldozing of these um, very sensitive areas. It is also the threats to our wild rice, which is intrinsic and one of the most central parts of our identity. We came here because Creator told us to go to the place where food grows on water, and that is wild rice. Wild rice is who we are as people. It's also threatening something that I think is a much larger conversation about who we are and what we are going to choose as human beings in our futures. During the COVID-19 pandemic that's raging across the world, we are seeing many, many active work sites to ultimately trench Line 3 into the ground. It is the prioritizing of industry over public health. It is eye-opening to me to see that people engaged in pre-construction are considered essential alongside our doctors and nurses that are fighting this pandemic. When it really comes down to it, their project is more important than the health of their own workers and their own employees. People can learn more and support our work on the front lines of monitoring construction of putting our bodies and our freedom at risk by visiting our page at GNU Collective. This is uh, Bill McKibben from 350.org. And we are very, very happy, the three of us, to be joining you on day two of Earth Day Live, Divestment Day, Stop the Money Pipeline Day. Today, we're looking at how it is that the fossil fuel industry has managed to keep doing its thing. So today, we're going to talk about what it looks like on the ground. And we've got two people today who represent those fights at their feistiest. So it's a real pleasure to have Joy Braun and to have Tara Huska with us. And they can talk about 
what it's like trying to take on the Keystone XL pipeline, what it's like trying to take on line three. And they can talk a little bit for our brothers and sisters up north of the border who can't be with us today because they're trying to take on the Trans Mountain pipeline and they're being literally physically attacked. So, Joy, maybe you go first. You've been heavily involved in the Dakota Access and in the Keystone fights. So bring us up to date on where we are and bring us up to date on what the role of these financial institutions has been. Keystone XL fight really started with Keystone 1. And then when that was built, then they started, well, we're going to do another one. We're going to do Keystone XL. We're going to make it bigger, better. We're going to move more oil, move more bitumen, more tar sands. Originally, they planned to go right through my reservation here on the Cheyenne River Sioux Reservation, which is in South Dakota. We share a border with Standing Rock. If you follow Dakota, we were the reservation right underneath, underneath Standing Rock. And a lot of Cheyenne River people went up there because that's our sister nation, right? Keystone XL originally wanted to go through through Cheyenne River, and we said, nah, that's not going to happen. We eventually turned trucks around, uh, kicked TransCanada out of, of, of our reservation, and made it illegal for them to come onto our reservation, um, exercising our tribal sovereignty doing that. So there's three major waterways um, with the uh, Keystone XL pipeline, the Missouri River, again, fighting to save the Missouri River, and then the Yellowstone River. And then right here, the Cheyenne River, which is the river, the southern border for, for my reservation. Right now, the latest news is we just we, we had a win in the courts, pulling the uh, national permit, uh, which allowed the Army Corps of Engineers to um, have pipelines, transmission lines, cables go over um, uh, over uh, waterways. So that kind of put a stop to some of that. doesn't mean that they can't stop building things, though doesn't mean that they can't construct other places where the pipeline doesn't cross the river. doesn't mean that they can't do pipe yards. doesn't mean that they can't do these evil man camps. And uh, Tara can talk about man camps too, because that's something that we have in common a lot along these pipelines and something our brothers and sisters up north, um, Kana hosts and them dealing with um, man camps as well. Um, they bring just evil things, um, sex trafficking, human trafficking, drugs, alcohol, um, just man camps are just a bad thing all around. So that's kind of where we're at right now with on um, Keystone XL. We, we have to continue watching. We have to continue fighting and we have to keep them off of our lands and to just say, we're not going to let this go. I mean, we've already won Keystone XL three times before, right? We, we won three times before. Well, we're going to win again. You know, we're, we're not going to stop until this is gone. And then we'll continue and take the lessons on the rest of the world. Uh, Tara, um, you're, a, you're many things, including a lawyer, and have some sense of how these things play out, not just on the ground, but back in the corridors of power where decisions get made in Wall Street. Tell us a little bit about where line three is and, you know, who's and what's, but what kind of message should we be trying to send back? Um, I just wanted to say uh, the way I introduced myself, I'm Tara Hauska, Bear Clan from Kuchiching First Nation, I was born and raised just outside of International Falls, Minnesota, and I'm calling in from northern Minnesota. 
Um, I'm part of a camp collective that's been out just 200 yards off the proposed route for the last two years, camping and monitoring all activities of Enbridge's Line 3 pipeline. It's another tar sands line. Um, it's one of three that's proposed. So there's the Trans Mountain Line, the Keystone XL Line, and Line 3. Where we're at with Line 3 is, you know, they, these guys, they always just keep coming back. So I actually, I would say that with, with Enbridge, put all their money towards Dakota Access Pipeline. So Enbridge is actually almost the third owner of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, you know, in my, per, in my perspective, having spent many months out on front lines um, in North Dakota, Enbridge is responsible for the human rights violations and the abuses that happen there. You know, they're responsible for the destruction of territory, for the destruction of human beings and, and you know, the, the trauma that was inflicted on people. Because it's not just, you know, the exciting parts of mace and tear gas and bullets and all these things that seem really gripping. There's real trauma and real hurt that comes with that, right? In addition to the things that Joy was talking about when it comes to man camps that have to build these lines, when it comes to existing poverty and existing substance abuse and existing you know, systemic issues that exist in indigenous communities. So that was their plan when they did that. And then they moved over to this line three project, which was happening when, when Dakota Access, they do these things in tandem, right? Where we're at in the process is, so we are nearing the last permitting process, like the last stages of, of permitting line three fully. Um, we've already done our environmental impact statement um, Enbridge actually proposes to build a brand new corridor through our wetlands, through the headwaters of the Mississippi River, um, to the shore of Lake Superior, so right into the Great Lakes. Um, we're at the last stages of that, so the state permits for water crossings and for bulldozing through wetlands. Um, they plan to have Line 3 online by the end of 2020. That is what they've stated to their shareholders, that is what they have, um, you know, said over and over again um, in recent months. But I would add that, you know, this project was actually supposed to be online back in 2019 and then it was um supposed to be online first at the beginning and then at the end and like because of all this resistance i mean we're talking over a trillion you know in or over over a billion dollars in delays um and costs right that that our resistance has cost cost them i'd say for messages that we send back you know i may be a lawyer but i'm oftentimes one of the um voices in the room that's the least trusting of the governance systems. I would say I have a very pragmatic perspective on the limitations of a system that is so heavily skewed towards an industry and towards corporate actors that um, pay to have their influence and to roll back regulations. I mean, we're seeing that in, Trump, in the Trump administration, but it's happened under the Obama administration. It happens no matter who that is really in charge. Here in Minnesota, they sent 68, we, we organized, and, and 350 was a big part of that, the local chapter, 68,000 comments against the pipeline project. 94% of public comments were against it, and they got a unanimous approval for the project. So I feel like the message that we send is, one, yes, take your money out of the banks. That is something you can do. That is something you can do right now. It is something that you can do tomorrow. It's something that you organize people to do. That is powerful. But I would also say that you know, I don't know that our necessarily our message is just for them. I think our message is to each other and what we can do when we empower each other. Like our organizing power is so, so deeply heard by so many of these industries. They spend millions and millions of dollars to oppose people like Joy, to oppose people like me, to oppose people like you, Bill. I mean, that's, 
that's power, collective power and um, solution making. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today on the show, we're hearing some recordings from this week's 50th anniversary of the Earth Day livestream with pipeline resistance fighters in so-called North America who are continuing to put their bodies on the line whilst maintaining safe physical distancing practices to defend their land and waters in ongoing direct action blockades against opportunistic fossil fuel industries. We're all here online today doing our work digitally because we can't do otherwise. I mean, we'd plan to be occupying thousands of Chase Bank branches around North America today, and it would have been one. But we're not because obviously we're not going to go run the risk of introducing germs into overcrowded jails where people have no way of social distancing and whatever. We take that kind of solidarity seriously. But the oil industry in the middle of a pandemic is using that pandemic as a cover to go out and try and start building infrastructure in places with underserved healthcare systems. Uh, rural America is not very good, robust healthcare systems. And in particular, they're doing it on the edge of Indian country yeah. in places where you know, over the last 500 years, have lost 90% of their population to introduce pandemic. Well, just last week, elders from the Fort Peck Assiniboine Sioux Reservation in Montana, um, and along with some Blackfeet and some Northern Cheyenne relatives, headed up to the um, U.S.-Canadian border, where Keystone XL is, is right now, um, building that that border crossing, they got special permission to do that from the United States government because remember the Canadian U.S. border is closed. But somehow this this pipeline can be building in the middle of this, in the middle of this um, coronavirus epidemic, this worldwide pandemic that's going on, and there isn't anything up there. As far as healthcare is concerned, you have from the border to the nearest hospital, which is this little tiny hospital, it's two and a half hours. So you have these men being housed in hotels right now because there's a hundred of them, and then they're going up to the border. In the meantime, which is really close to the Fort Peck um, reservation, in the meantime, surveyors and stuff are out there here by Cheyenne River near us. They're out by the Rosebud Sioux reservation out by yankton where my my tui faith is at they're out um by ponca out in nebraska and uh so all along the route everywhere they they're concerned everywhere there's a native reservation these surveyors and these people are out there and they are not following cdc guidelines you might see one or two wearing a mask and we got pictures to prove this we got pictures to prove that they're not following CDC guidelines. And I even leaked those pictures to the Associated Press. And not one story came out of that. And why? Because of money. Who owns that? Who owns these news corporations? Who owns the ability to get that information out? Only independent people, only organizations like your organizations, my organizations, Tara, only us people can get that information out. And that's one thing we learned from Dakota Access Pipeline is it has to be independent people getting that information out through the Moccasin Telegraph. 
You also asked about missing and murdered indigenous women. I went up to Fort Peck one time because I was asked to go help search for a girl. We were lucky enough, we found her and we were able to get her home. But while I was there, I learned of other women that weren't even reported missing or murdered because of the jurisdictional issues on that particular reservation. On Standing Rock, there's something like 38 or 40 missing women. On my reservation, there's something like 20 or more missing women. We don't even know the exact count because even if we report it, it doesn't mean that it gets into any kind of national base. It doesn't mean it gets, gets reported nationally. It doesn't mean that, that they're labeled as indigenous or First Nations or the Lakota or Cheyenne or Anishinaabe. It doesn't get labeled that way. And so we don't even know the, the exact amount. We, we guess that there's about 6,000 missing and murdered indigenous women here in the United States. 6,000 in a population that's estimated to be about 2.4 million. That's a lot of people. So, you know, talk about, and here on Shine River, if you look all around South Dakota, there's little pockets of coronavirus popping up, but the two counties that are Shine River Sioux Reservation, there's nothing here. And why is that? Because we put up border checkpoints. We had to be proactive in how we were going to save our own people. The idea that somehow you would call these jobs and these workers essential or critical workers because they're building an oil pipeline is almost unbelievable. The unbelievable greed of a small number of people, uh, many of them in our financial institutions. And we can be six feet apart, right? So there's still that. (laughs) Yeah, we have to take these risks. We can hold a rope six feet. We can still do it. Right. We have to stand with the land in a real way. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today on the show, we heard from pipeline resistance fighters on a recording from this week's 50th anniversary of the Earth Day live stream, who are continuing to put their bodies on the line whilst maintaining safe physical distancing practices to defend their land and waters in ongoing direct action blockades against opportunistic fossil fuel industries. We heard from Tara Husko from Kuchiching First Nation and Guna Collective from the long-running resistance campaign against Enbridge's Line 3 tar sands pipeline, and Angeline Cheek from Fort Peck, Assiniboine and Sioux Tribes, and Chain River Sioux Tribe community organiser Joy Braun, who are both from the equally long-running Trans-Canada Keystone XL pipeline resistance campaign. And if you want to check out the Earth Day Livestream web space for more information, it's at earthdaylive2020.org. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Radio Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for continuing to get this show out to you despite the fact that we're all going into lockdown everywhere. Earth Matters is usually produced at the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria. But today I produced it in my own bedroom. Earth Matters can be contacted on 039419 and our Gmail is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. 
That's all for this week, but tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. And we're going to go out with Lila June Johnson, also performing this week on the Earth Day live stream. My name is Lila June, and I'm from the Black Charcoal Street Division of the Red Running Into Water Clan of the Diné Nation. I'm sitting here in what's now called New Mexico, and um, I have a song for you all. It's just kind of a song to talk about how are we going to uh, turn our schools into places that uplift Native culture instead of assimilate uh, Native culture to Eurocentric paradigms. So here we go. When I was a little girl in the schools, yeah, they had me fooled. They said your native culture, it ain't got nothing for you. And if you want success, get a gold star, be the best. So I went to the best school I could find. And I, I left my culture behind. When my grandmother was a little girl in the boarding schools, yeah, they had her food. They said that her dark skin was original sin. And if she wanted to be saved, then in Jesus' name she prayed. So she left for college on a train. And she read her Bible every day. Yes, she did. So when I have my little girl, her mind will be free She'll have a choice of who to be he She can speak her native language And she can still love her neighbor Love the color of her skin See the beauty that lies within Because we, we remember who we are And that supremacy was alive from the start so you can't cut this down There's no stopping us now Head held high, feet on the ground We know who we are now and we're proud Elder songs We hear the sound We hear the sound We hear the sound We hear the sound You can't cut this down. There's no stopping us now. Our head held high, feet on the ground. We know who we are now and we're proud. Elder songs, we hear this So thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a great day. And I think this song is important because once our schools uplift indigenous knowledges as equals, then our knowledges can be shared with the world and all of our ecological sciences and ecological practices can be unleashed back to the world where we can heal our relationship with Mother Earth. Um, So supporting indigenous knowledge systems is the same as supporting Mother Earth. So thank you for your time.
and have a good day. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Those people who have no land rights haven't got justice, but neither do those people who have land rights have justice. You're listening to Community Radio Network around Australia, brought to you by 3CR Community Radio. So stay tuned as we bring you news, live updates, music and interviews with Aboriginal people from around the country. The only free body we have is the Aboriginal government on the grassroots and the Aboriginal embassy on the lawns outside the old parliament house. We will not go away. And as that stone rests in that mountain, and as our spirit rests in this country and over this country, we will not go away. Neither shall our power pass. And that's here forever, until justice comes. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.